We worship you today. You're the Almighty. You're our God. We're your people, the sheep of your pasture. We love you today. We thank you for your grace upon our lives, for your mercy that came and rewrote our lives, made us what we are by grace. We thank you that your Savior, your healer, your deliverer, you're the need supplier, the satisfier of every desire that we have. You're the hope of the nation. The prophet would see you coming and say, why wow, he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Unto us a son is born, a child is given, and his name is Wonderful, the Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Lord, we're thankful to be part of an eternal kingdom. A kingdom that when men's kingdoms fade away and come to naught, and Satan's kingdom falls, Lord, this kingdom will be forever and ever and ever and ever. Lord, we thank you that it's unending. We thank you too, Lord, that we're not temporal beings. But we're eternal with you. Been called and ordained for this hour. And we've stepped out of eternity into time. And one day we'll step back into eternity. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of serving you. Of knowing you as our Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's in our lives that made a difference. We thank you for the faith of the Son of God that resides within us. We thank you. We thank you for that grace. Now, as we open up the pages of your precious Bible, the Word of God today, may you just also open up the pages of our heart. And Lord, take what's written in the Word and take it right in, in our very nature in our lives till we become the manifested Word of the living God. Is there sick among us today? We pray that they'll walk out of here healed that the word will go forth in such power that right in their seats they'll be healed by the glory of God. And if we lay hands on the sick, then they will recover. And if we, if we meet any demon power of hell, we'll cast him out because we are the redeemed of the Lord. And we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for those that have come to assemble with us on this eve of thanksgiving. I pray, Lord, you'll bless each home and each family as they will celebrate this moment together this week. Lord, may your grace be upon each lives. You just give them more than they could ever be thankful for, that they'll just realize they've been blessed with so many blessings. Lord, ever need supply. The shut-ins, Lord, that were not able to come today, I pray that you'll bless them. The Hollis family especially, Lord. Little Sister Ingram down in the nursing home. And, or wherever they are. Sister Marilyn that's not able to come today. Lord, will you just touch them today. And just pass by wherever they are. And then, Lord, let your hand of grace just come upon them. And give them of thy divine favor. Those that are listening in on the internet from faraway countries that are joining with us. In this celebration of life today. Of eternal life. May, oh God, they just rejoice in the God of our salvation. 
each one, Lord, that are with us today. Will you bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Isn't it good to be a Christian? Amen. So good to have each one of you that are here today. Good to have the uh, sojourners home from in the land of Israel that's been there. And, and then the visitors that are here with us today. We just want you to feel really, really welcome. Amen. So, uh, Brother Johnny, thank you for bringing your cousin. Amen. We appreciate having him today. And each one that uh, has gathered with us, all the the families coming home, the Ron Colley families and uh, the Hamilton families and all the different ones that are here. Um, we're just happy to have you here. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to be a Christian, aren't you? Amen. Let's sing that song. Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand? Don't you find it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand? Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand? On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand? Isn't it grand to love your brother? Isn't it grand? the Lord. Amen. Appreciate the Lord this morning. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 33 and verse 53. And let's just um, worship the Lord together as we look into the word. Amen. We have some exciting things here from the word of God and for what he's done for us. Amen. He has been so good to us. Amen. Numbers chapter 33 verse 53. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. And this means to seize, to dispossess, to take possession of, to inherit, to disinherit, to occupy, to be an heir. And then John chapter 4, um, um, 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. She's not able to be here with us today, but we have a new addition to the family. Um, Brother Michael Dexter and his wife Bethany, my daughter, has given birth to a new grand. A new grandchild for us, Karen and my and my um, my wife and I. We have this new little one that the Lord has blessed us with, and of course, Michael and Bethany are proud parents, and 
William and Drew welcome uh, them, big brother again and big brother. Amen. That are um, real proud to have this little one in, in part of the family. And we as Evening Light Tabernacle proud to have her a part of our church family. Amen. So we want to say congratulations to them. Now, if you remember, this was one of the promises I claimed at the ruins of Shiloh when I was in Israel. We um, had some real situations that had come up there with Bethany. We'll be talking about it here for a moment. Um, but I want you to remember as we have been coming to this moment, uh, the Holy Spirit just directed me as we have been spiritually talking about some great things about the new birth. I've been preaching about the barren church bringing forth Christ back to the earth again. And that we have returned to uh, the Pentecost, the land of the Holy Ghost. And that there's to be a church born of the breath of God. And asking, is there any strength to bring forth? And that, we, that it is a battle for our inheritance. And so all of these uh, sermons, you know, leading up, and now we um, have this little baby that has come to birth, and she herself is a miracle baby, and I believe that it's a sign to us, amen, that there is strength to bring forth, and amen, but it's going to be a battle, surely will be a battle. Um, after four miscarriages, then a, a hemorrhage in the uterus at six weeks uh, along in the pregnancy. At 12 weeks, they couldn't find a heartbeat until we got, we got to praying, and, they, and then they could find it. And then at 19 weeks, they discovered that she had a, a two-cord um, uh, vessel instead of a th normal three, and this caused concern by the doctors that this baby wouldn't develop normally. At 29 weeks, the stomach and legs were um, judged uh, to, and measured as too small, and it was, they were very concerned about this. And, um, you know, so this was something that was a great, a great concern. So actually, sometimes earlier in the summer, I, I think God is so good to us uh, because I had a very, very vivid dream. And I saw Bethany handed me a, a little dark-headed little girl with curly hair, about five to eight months old. I'm not sure exactly what her age was, but as she handed her to me, I, I saw especially, you know, the, those, the little fat legs were, and feet were bare as she handed her to me. And, and uh, I looked at them, and they were perfectly formed and normal. So when this news came that it wasn't, you know, that it was underdeveloped and a head that was way too big for the body and, and, and the stomach that was not developed and the legs underdeveloped, I knew that wasn't true because I'd already seen her. Isn't God good to us? So, you know, it was too late for, for Satan to try that because I'd already seen it. But uh, right after the fall meetings, Bethany was to go for a checkup. Um, and to determine the growth of the child and, and so on as she was under the care of a specialist. And on Saturday at the fall meetings, you will remember Brother Ron prayed for her. And on the following Tuesday was her doctor's checkup, and they were amazed at her stomach and legs had nearly doubled in size. 
And at birth, she is a proportionate healthy baby, passed every test in her exam by the pediatrician. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a mighty God. Mighty God. But sometimes, you know, even in those moments, your faith is tried. You have many highs and many lows and many, you know, many um, victories. And then it looks like the, the, the enemy comes again. And um, right down to the end, our faith was tested. My, uh, Michael Dexter was there. As you know, he's a, an RN. That, um, and so he was there in the delivery room with his wife and child and and normal neonate uh, heart rate is generally 120 to 160. If it gets below 100 at, after birth, they are often required extra oxygen to help the heart rate. If it gets below 60 after the birth and oxygen hadn't helped, they sometimes require chest compressions. And Bethany's labor progressed very rapidly. And Michael said that as we started Getting closer to the time of deliveries, the contractions really intensified. And I noticed the baby's heart rate had dropped down to the low 60s for a little bit and then came back up. As the contractions grew harder, the heart rate kept dropping again. This can mean that the cord is getting compressed. And the charge nurse commented on it and said, we may need to move, her, move real quickly here. She's having heart rate issues. But he just silently prayed that the Lord would protect her. And he knew that after all we had come through, there was no way we could have a major issue like this right now and not come through with a victory. And so she delivered fine without requiring any emergency procedures or needing any additional oxygen. Although the nurses had it set up and ready to go because of the heart rate concern. So she's certainly a miracle baby. And we're getting ready for another miracle. Amen. For another miracle. Amen. Too many vindications to believe otherwise. We've, um, we had uh, God's sign and the scripture given to me at the Sea of Galilee as I looked early in the morning and uh, looked across the Sea of Galilee and was so moved because as the sun came up at the rising of the sun and I just realized our Lord Jesus and the disciples and many others down through the ages had looked across that sea at the very same sun. And as I, as I did, the scripture came to me that was very, very pertinent to this. Then as we, as we um, there prayed about the, that very thing, Brother Timothy had a vision of, a, of his sister Esther giving birth to a child. We had a prayer and a witness at Shiloh and an angel visitation. Uh, also right here in the, in the church, you remember that? And Brother Michael coming out and telling about the bump in the boat. We won't go into all of this today, but I just want to say we're walking in the vision. Yeah. Amen. And your name was called there too. Amen. So the promises for Candace also and for everyone and for a barren church. Yeah. Because that was really upon my heart. And not only for a barren church, but for barren souls that have never brought forth a birth. Amen. Of the Holy Ghost in their lives. My prayer for was that too. Amen. And we've seen God being doing a lot of things. Now, of course, of course, we didn't come down to this end and have a, a stillborn baby. We had a baby with life in it. Amen. And it came with emotion. It came with shouting or screaming out. 
And just, um, I, I think what Brother Branham said about a stillborn birth, he said, what we need today is a good old heartfelt religion. Let me tell you something, if a baby's born, that baby don't cry, it don't whine, it don't open his little mouth and say a thing, while you know nothing happens, what's the matter with the baby? He's born dead. And he said, I think we still, we got too many stillbirths today, yeah, in the church. Fella, come up and say, do you believe God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, His Son? Yes, I do. Will you promise to do so-and-so for this church? Yes. Take his little salt shake and, and, and drop a few little drops of water on him and give him the right hand of fellowship and put him in the church. That's stillborn babies. Yeah, what happened when a baby is born? If he don't cry as soon as he drops the earth, what's the first thing you do to him? Is pick him up and turn him over your arm and give him a... A little, what do you call it? You paddle him, that's right. You give him a little, a few wraps like that. And the first thing you know, wow, here, here he goes. You got a baby living. And that's what it needs today in the church. It is, it is not somebody saying now, I know it might not be the right thing to do that little uh, sissified thing, but you need a preacher behind the pulpit that'll tell you, that'll tear you to pieces till you get squalling out once in a while and let God come in and let something take place. And then you're born, not to somebody you baby around your sins and say, oh, well, our forefathers believed that and our forefathers, our Bible said it's right. And that's what's right is our Bible. And the same Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost, which we all know was the birth of the new church, if that same Holy Spirit doesn't bring the same experience to you, then you've got a different Holy Spirit than what that was. Exactly right. If it don't make you live a sacrificial life, a life full of joy and pleasure and the baptism of the Spirit leading you into signs and wonders and miracles and things, there's, that there's something happened. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. So, and, and just, I wanted to share this one with you just in case some would think that changed after the seven seals was open. Uh, let me read you from birth pains. He said, now you take some little kind of a shock. Maybe you wouldn't have to spark him, but shock him a little bit. The very idea of him being born sometimes will do him. Grab him, shake him. He don't start breathing, spank him a little. And then he yells out in unknown tongues himself, I guess. But anyhow, he's making a noise. And I think if a baby is born just by stillbirth with no sound, no emotion, that's a dead baby. And that's what's the matter with the church today, the system. We got too many stillborn children, that's right. They need a gospel spanking, you see. So wake them up to bring them to themselves so that God can breathe the breath of life into them. We know that's so true. He said it's crude theology, but it's a truth anyhow. We're going to be speaking today about our land of promise again. And where we, of course, have been speaking is about that the people, the people of the book have returned to the land of the book. And then we're going to be speaking today on this part is faith is our victory. Now, I was speaking last Sunday on the battle for our inheritance. And so we've been speaking along that line, but faith is our victory. We must seize it from the enemy. Remember, we cannot be apathetic about this. We, must, we cannot be lukewarm about this. We must, must say this is our land. 
This is our inheritance and God gave it to me and I'm going to receive that. Amen. Now, the Bible said that ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land, which means take possession of, to inherit, to occupy. And we must proclaim ourselves as an heir to it. I am an heir to this land. God has given it to me. Now, you know, we are in the greatest battle ever fought. If you would really look in Revelation 12 and you can see there's a war going on for heavenly places where Lucifer and Michael are battling it out in Revelation 12. And then we, then we find that he's cast to the earth. And when he does, there's a redeemed people that are caught up into the heavens and that they are saying, now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God. And, and so as we are speaking about that, we know we're in a great battle in this end time. And, and just to quote Brother Branham from the greatest battle ever fought, he said, the great hour of charge is at hand. Hallelujah. Soldiers with armors gleaming and colors streaming, faith and doubt is set in yourself an array in this tabernacle this morning. Doubt on one side, faith on the other. Soldiers, stand at your post of duty. Hallelujah. Our captain, the morning star leads on. He never goes back. He don't know the word retreat. He don't have to retreat. The greatest battle ever fought. She's going on right in here now. Yes, sir. Between life and death, between sickness and health, between liberty and bondage. The battle is on. Shine your spears, soldiers. Polish up the armor. God is getting his soldiers ready. Amen. God anoints his army. So I believe that God has prepared and called the people for this end time age to take their stand as the sons and daughters of God. And God gave us the greatest weapon to defeat the devil with. And of course, that's the word of God. But Satan wants to take the power out of it. And he wants us to, to disbelieve our weapon. And he also wants us to, oh, it's okay to have the word of God. It's okay to have the weapon as long as we never use it. As long as we never pull the sword and, and it just is a piece of decoration and, and the sheath. And that, that it's a, just a badge of honor. I've got the word of God. I, I, have, the, I have the Bible. I have the truth. But, it, but again, it is a weapon. Amen. It is to be a sword. And the word is a weapon. But faith is the trigger. Amen. Without faith, you cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot subdue kingdoms. You cannot wrought righteousness. You cannot obtain promises. You cannot stop the mouth of Satan, that roaring lion that goes about seeing who he may devour. You, know, you cannot quench the violence of the fire. You cannot turn to flight the armies of the aliens. You cannot quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Without faith, you are powerless. You are weak, and, you, and the word of God is ineffective. But with faith, all things are possible. With faith, we can subdue kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouth of Satan, and then quench the violence of the fire, turn to flight the armies of the aliens, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We can speak to any mountain. We can cast out devils. 
We can tread on serpents and scorpions without being harmed. We can heal the sick. We can save the lost. And we can overcome all things. In this land, it's much different from the land of Egypt. Amen. It's much different from the land of bondage where we were once slaves to sin and slaves to Satan. In this land, we're not slaves. Amen. But in this land, amen, we are a new creation. In this land, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. Amen. I would like you to look with me in Galatians 3 and 13. For Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. I want you to notice here, God has redeemed you from the curse. God has redeemed you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So Jesus would take our curse. That the blessing of Abraham, or what's these words now? They're very key. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, the blessing of Abraham was there was to be a seed. Remember, in blessing, I will bless you. I'm going to give you a child, but it was more than Isaac, and it was certainly more than Ishmael. But it was a seed, and it would be a royal seed. And this seed, which would be Christ, the Messiah, and it would be through this seed that all nations would be blessed. Are you with me now? So the blessing of Abraham was there would come a seed, a Messiah, that through whom the blessings would come. And that blessing, of course, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The spirit of Jesus that would give you the power to live above sin and unbelief. You see, now the law itself was not a curse. The curse is the penalty levied for not keeping the law. And all of us were guilty. All of us. Amen. And you remember Brother Timothy's Wednesday night sermon. How many enjoyed that? Amen. God bless him where he's serving the Lord today over in North Carolina preaching. He'll be back tomorrow. Pray for him. But remember Brother Timothy's wonderful sermon on being blessed. Amen. But I want to show you, here's what happened. If you didn't keep the law, and here's our condition. Because James 2 and 10 says this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all of it. Because no man of his own self can live holy. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. But let's just look at a moment, and I didn't want to get on his subject material, so I, I asked his permission to bring this this morning. Amen. But Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. Let's just look back at, um, at some of the things that uh, in this chapter. Because you would be blessed. But if you would offend the law, if you would break the law, if you didn't keep the law, then you would come under a curse. Is that right? And so verse 15 brings it down and says, It shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe all his commandments, 
and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Well, actually, we were all born in this condition. Disobedient to God. So breakers of the law. And because of that, the curses of the law came upon us. Somebody wake up your neighbor and tell them we're in church. All right. So now notice in verse 16, it said, Cursed shall be thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. And cursed, you remember, oh, all these were blessings. But now cursed shall be thy basket and thy store, and cursed shall be thy, thy fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land and the increase of thy kind and the, the flocks of thy sheep. And cursed shall be, thou shalt be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And the Lord shall send upon thee cursings and vexations and rebuke, and all that thou settest thy hands unto, for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doing, whereby thou hast forsaken me. And this is the case of every sinner today. They're under the judgments of God. And Satan has a right to implement every one of these. And the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land, whither thou go to possess. The Lord will smite thee with consumption, that's tuberculosis, and with a fever, and with inflammation, and with extreme burning. That's neuropathy. And with the sword, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron, and the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust, for heaven shall come down upon thee. From heaven it shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. And the Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And thou shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. This is a life you lived before. You were cursed. But now, this is what you have been redeemed from. Therefore, the blessings of Abraham are yours. Hallelujah. In fact, the matter is, when you couldn't, when you couldn't meet the requirements of the law with his perfection, Jesus, the perfect one, came and paid the price of redemption for you and met the requirements of the penalty of the law on your behalf so that you don't have to meet them. That's the good news this morning. That way you can be blessed because of him. Amen. This is your salvation. Amen. The life you lived before, but now you have been redeemed. Therefore, your redemption, you have the redemption that is promised. Now, instead of sickness and dreaded diseases, health. Instead of running from your enemies, they're going to run from you seven ways. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Amen. I just love it, church. The blessings are going to come upon you and overtake you. 
Hallelujah. They're going to come running after you and catch up with you wherever you are so that you can receive the benefits of your salvation. Hallelujah. And verse 4 says, and, and Brother Timothy shared this, but I'm just touching this briefly. He's talked about you will prosper. And so blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. And blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Verse 7, the Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise against thee, that rise against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall establish you as a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. And all the people of the earth shall see thee that thou art called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plentiful in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, in the fruit of the land, in the land which the Lord swear uh, unto the, thy fathers to give thee. And the Lord shall open up to thee his good treasures, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season and to bless all the works of thy hand and thou shalt lend to many nations and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I commanded thee this day to observe them to do them. And furthermore he says, and I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought from among the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's his promise to you. I'm not going to put a disease on you. So if it comes, it's from the devil. And if it's from the devil, we have a right to cast it out. Amen. Now, the tactic of the devil is to get you to disbelieve your weapon, God's word. For the moment you disbelieve your weapon, you're disarmed. Because only the hand of faith can hold the sword of the word. Now, so again, we're to take the word and defeat him because he said, In my name, they shall cast out devils. Now, Jesus proved this to us. On the, on the mountain of temptation that the devil can, uh, that defeated Eve in the garden can be conquered by the word. Amen. Here he got, the, the devil defeated Eve by adding to the word and discrediting the word and causing her to disbelieve the word. Amen. Jesus meets the devil in the garden of, uh, not in the garden of Eden, but in the, in the place of temptation. Amen. Where all the powers of hell came against him. I'm convinced it wasn't a demon that came and attacked Jesus. It was Lucifer himself and was questioning, if thou be the son of God. By the way, if he will question Jesus, if he's the son of God, what about you? Don't you think he'll question you? Amen. And what, don't you think he'll try to put doubt upon your experience? Now, so, but Jesus proved that the word of God will defeat the devil. He, and, and to do this for us, he didn't use his powers. He didn't use his gifts. He didn't use some supernatural ability that you don't have. He used the word 
And he simply took what was written and applied it to the situation and he defeated the devil with him on every point the devil came against him. Hallelujah. You know why this is? Because God intends you to have dominion. He does not intend you to be a defeated person. Faith is not defeat. Faith is a victory. Now, in the beginning, Adam ruled having dominion over the earth. The Bible would say in, in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in his image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth up on the earth. So Adam ruled the earth, but he ruled the earth by faith. You see, he, he could rearrange the mountains. You say, oh, Brother Tim, how do we know he could do that? I'll tell you how we know he could do it. Because God gave him dominion. And then Jesus said, if you believe, you can say to this mountain. Is that right? Amen. So we know then that, that Jesus was pulling from somewhere because this was a man in his original position to be, to be uh, the inheritor of the earth, to own the title deed to it, to be in possession of all things. Amen. To have, the, have, have everything underneath his feet. Now, remember, so by faith, he, he could control uh, and rearrange the mountains. He could rearrange the rivers, the trees. He could say to them, be plucked up here and moved over there. And I'm not just going to prove it to you. The Bible tells you after the curse came, he had to do this by the sweat of the brow. So, you know, he wasn't sweating doing what we do. We want a tree moved. It takes a lot of sweat to do it. We either dig it up or saw it down or do something to move it. Right? Amen. It takes a lot of sweat, but Adam didn't need any sweat. He had faith in what God made him, and he had dominion, and he spoke, and he expected it to be done. Are you with me? So he could rearrange the mountains, the rivers. He could move the trees by the law of faith. And Jesus said himself, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this sacrament tree, be that plucked up and cast into the sea, and it'll be done even as you said. Is that the Bible? Amen. Now, of course, Satan was there. Oh, yeah, he was treading upon the earth. Watching, looking for a way in and seeing how he, he could come and, and bring deception and deceive. And he's over there, but he had no power to do anything about it. He couldn't stop Adam when he said, move this tree. He couldn't stop Adam when he, he you know, there was nothing he could do. I mean, he could, he, he, all he could do is just pace around and, and, and look and watch him. Oh my, isn't, isn't that marvelous? Amen. Look at the power that he has. Here he is. He's controlling the atmosphere. He says, it's a little windy today, Adam. Peace be still. How do we know that? Second Adam did that. Is that right? Looked over the brow of a boat 
the bow of a boat and looked out and saw the winds and the waves and about to swamp the boat and said, peace be still. Didn't matter how big the wind was. Amen. He, but he was controlling by faith. I want you to understand everything is by faith. By faith. And a lot of times faith becomes very mysterious to people as to what faith is. Faith is simply believing that God's word is true and he'll do what he said he would do. That's all faith is. It's just simply believing God's word is true and God's going to perform what he said that he cannot lie. Amen. That's faith. Now, so you see, Satan was there, as I said, but his power was limited. He couldn't work. There was nothing he could do until something was broken. And so all he could do is just watch him control the atmosphere, the animals. He didn't have to raise his voice. Amen. He doesn't, he doesn't have to shout or scream at everything. All he has to do is say it. Speak. And it happened. Amen. And so Adam could say, tree, you're in my view of that mountain. Move over a little bit. How about about 10 feet? You see, you know, he, he, he is operating as the God of the earth. Did I read the scripture that he gave his dominion? Genesis 1.26. He said, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle over every, all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. And so he had dominion that was given to him by God. So he had the word that placed him in that position. And then he had faith in that word to operate that position. Are you with me now? So now, as, as he did, you know, as I said, as long as faith was in effect, as long as Adam walked by faith and lived by faith, Satan's power was broken. Now, this is why Satan tries to get every son of God to doubt. This is why Jesus, that he did the first thing after Jesus received the Holy Ghost would get him to doubt his experience. And Jesus had an experience. So does every other child of God when you get the Holy Ghost. It's not an imagination. It's not a profession of faith. It is an experience where heaven comes down and cleanses the soul and purges you, amen, as an individual and comes to indwell. Are you with me? But this is why Satan tried to get him to doubt. You see, but it was given to Adam to have eternal life. And as long as he ate from that tree of life. He had eternal life. Adam ruled over the earth. He was like an amateur god over the earth. Everything was just given into his hand because the earth was his. He could do with it whatever he wanted to do. And he named it. There wasn't an animal that he didn't name. He called them to himself and he named them one by one. And whatever he named it, that was the name thereof. Amen. He was truly a son of God. But now in the fall, Adam forfeits the title deed to that. To the whole earth. Even to our own bodies, which is earth. And Adam was, of course, uh, unable to redeem you see, he could not redeem his rights 
he didn't redeem his rights because he couldn't redeem his rights. But Satan, which does not rightfully own it, I want you to get it, because he got it by deceit. It wasn't given to him by God. And to truly own anything, you're going to have to receive it from God. But he didn't receive it from God, but he, he possesses it. He's got squatter's rights upon it. And, but he does not legally or rightfully own it. He only possesses it. Amen. Now, he holds it in his hand. Death is in his hand. The earth is in his hand. The world belongs to him. Every nation belongs to him. He governs and controls the whole world and everything in the world. That's Satan. But that's not his original place. That was our place. Adam ruled in that position, and Adam did it with no mind battles. He would say to this mountain, and there was nothing there, that said, oh, you, you know, hey, you're just a man now. You know, you, you know are you going to do that with your muscles? You know, physically you can't do this. Uh, how, how, is, how is this all going to work? All these mind battles. He spoke to the wind and the trees, and he didn't have a headache or didn't ache in his body, no aching pains while he was speaking to him. That was something that was reminding him of his humanity or his mortality. He didn't have a sign of age. He didn't have any sickness. Somebody help me preach now. Adam here, he's over here speaking. All of this, he don't have any sickness in his body. He's never been sick. He don't know what it means to be sick. He doesn't have a negative thought to overcome. He's never had to overcome anything. He is operating in a perfect realm, in a, in a perfect world, in a perfect Eden. Are you with me? He moves, he moves mountain, and his, and his feet's not hurting. His back isn't aching. He don't give a headache from working too long in the sun. You know, he, he's speaking and rearranging the earth, and he has no scars of his past. While, while he's praying, or while he is commanding, or while he is operating, or is, is somebody with me? There's nothing whispering him about his past. And why you should not receive this because of your past. Amen. There's no reminders of any sin that he ever did. He's standing in in a perfect Eden. He doesn't know fear. He's not afraid it's not going to happen. He's not wondering, am I talking as a man this time or as a God of this time? Amen. He was never afraid of anything. He had no doubts to overcome. He didn't have an evil thought to cast down. He did this whole thing without a battle. Can you imagine that? I mean, he said to the mountain, be moved, and he didn't have a battle. There wasn't a war in his mind. There wasn't a, a sign in his body. There wasn't an ache in his back. There wasn't nothing that reminded him of mortality. Amen. He prophesied. That's what he was doing. Somebody help me preach now. He prophesied. He foretold what was going to happen. And it happened. 
uh, can I say it again? He prophesied. I want to get it. He operated as a son of God, so he foretold what was going to take place. He said, let this mountain be moved and moved over there, and it happened. He prophesied that into happening. But he did it without a mind battle, without scars of his past, without memories, affection, reasoning, without science come along and say, this is impossible for you to do this. Or religion to come along and say, God doesn't heal. Or days of miracles are past. Or God doesn't do those things anymore. Or that was only for the apostles. He don't war, you know, there's no war reminding him of, of some other person, you know, comes along and says, oh, no, no, wait a minute, don't try to take the prophet's place. Be careful here, don't, don't move out of your position. He knew what his position was. He operated in that position. And he had nothing to overcome. No fear, no doubt, no nothing to overcome. And we got this. Amen. And he prophesied, and that is that he spoke as a son of God. Now, Brother Branham told us in the fundamental foundation for faith, and by the way, it's a very difficult tape to listen to because the audio is very poor, but it is one of my favorite sermons. But he said, man was made as a secondary God on the earth. He was given the power to control all things, all elements of the earth. That was Adam. Adam was given these great powers. But then the power that he was given to make himself is where he fell. Adam could speak to the winds and it would stop. He could speak to the trees and they would obey him. He could speak to wildlife and it would obey him. He could speak to the waters, what it was. Everything obeyed Adam. Adam never had to be sick. He never had to die. He never had a worry. He never had a heartache. He never had a fear. He just climbed right up in the arms of the father, just like a child, and everything was his. And whatever he asked, why well, he just got it. And everything obeyed him because he was God's child and the child is heir of all things. That's how Adam operated. Amen. But we know what happened. God allowed the fall. Now, he didn't make the fall, but he made man where he could fall, that he could make a choice. This is because he was made in the image of God. And in God's image, you see, if you would have been made like some of the angels, just to say, holy, 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 and that's all their job is, is holy, 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 those angels perhaps never have a choice. But you have a choice because you are made in the image of God. And God didn't want, now listen, God didn't want some robot to serve him. Holy, 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 holy. God wanted men and women that would choose to worship him. Out of the, out of the depths of their heart. To say, I love you, Jesus. Amen. I've said it before, but to use the analogy again. And use the illustration. You know, it's kind of like if a boy had power over a girl. You know, that if you just had the power to zap her. You know, she don't like me. She don't love me. But if I could just zap her. And I can make her love me. 
And all of a sudden, you zap that little girl, and she's going around, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Who wants a robot? Come on, church. Who wants a robot? Who wants somebody that just is a mindless idiot following you around saying what you wanted to say? It would mean nothing. It would have absolutely no meaning to you because you know you just put a power over the zapper. And so she loved you and was just mindlessly going along like an idiot or a robot saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you know, if you ever let her loose, she wouldn't love you. She'd be right back in the same old condition. Are you with me? But God didn't want you a robot. He didn't want you going around saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, like a mindless idiot. God wanted you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being. Now then, I tell you, boy, if you want her to love you, then you got to woo her. Amen. You got to woo her. And this is what God did. When you chose the wrong thing. Come on, church. Amen. When you chose a life of sin and you kept choosing it, God got on a hallelujah path where he began to woo you. And he said, I'll do everything that I can. I so love you. God so loved you that he gave his own self. I'll give everything I got for your love. I'll die for you. I'll give my life for you. I'll take your curses. I'll take your sin. I'll take your past. I'll take your future. I'll take everything. Put it all on me. But I want your love. Hallelujah. This is why that he said with Moses after he give them all those laws, thou shalt and thou shalt not and thou shalt and thou shalt not and thou shalt and thou shalt not. And after he gave them all those laws, because they wanted to know, what can we do? What is it we can do? And then God said, but what I want is not all your laws. And you have to do this, and you have to do that, and have to do that. I want you to love me, oh, that a man would love me with all their heart, and with all their soul, and with everything that's within me. So God allowed a fall. Now, of course, God knew the fall would take place before it happened. He knew the moment that he created man and put him on this basis of choice that he would choose wrong. He knew the deception would come, but he didn't want that. He didn't make that happen. But before it ever happened, before the sin ever took place, he said, I know they're going to do it, so I'll be the Savior. I know they're going to be sick, so I'll be the healer. I know they're going to be in bondage, so I'll be the deliverer. 
So you see, you know, God allows men to fall. And this beautiful picture that we have of a perfect Eden. No evil, no thought, no mortality, no sin, no death, no sorrow. It all gives way to a very marred picture and a broken life. As Adam and Eve starts walking out crying, hugging each other, walking out of the garden. Why did we do this? Here's a bloody sheepskin flapping on their legs, covering their nakedness. God walking the other direction with his back turned to on man because of sin. But God's love was so great. That as he was walking away and they had commanded them to leave my garden. Leave this place of sonship. Leave this place where you rule supreme. I can't let you rule there in your sin. Amen. Get out of my garden. Go out the way and turns his back on man and begins to walk away. But it all funneled down to one thing, L-O-V-E. And there it turned the heart of God around and said, wait a minute. You're going out of this garden broken and defeated. But you're not going out alone. I'm going with you. Hallelujah. I will become a seed. Seed of the woman, and I tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna bruise the head of this serpent. We're gonna give you dominion again over death, over hell, over sin, over weakness. We are gonna give you dominion. You will tread on that serpent. that will come to redeem man from this decrepit condition. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Feel like I could make a few laps around this building and speak in other tongues. But you know, through the fall, Man lost conscience of the fact after losing his relationship and friendship and fellowship with the Father. He lost that in his great, all his great channels became clogged up. And that fellowship between God and man was broken. Now, what God, what Adam was in God, Christ has redeemed us back to that. Amen. I want to give you the good news. We're on our road back. Amen. It starts with the soul. It'll end with the body being redeemed. Fully redeemed. Now, so uh, you see, a redeemer is to redeem. uh, To redeem anything is to bring it back to its origin again. And Adam lost the very consciousness of, in other words, He had lived in a perfect world before the fall, but after the fall, he lost conscious awareness. It was now hard for him to even believe he was there. 
He had, he had amnesia. He forgot. He felt so far that he lost dominion by giving up faith for Satan's wisdom. And now he becomes himself a slave to sin and unbelief. And that controls him. The title deed to the earth and the eternal life. When Adam forfeited, it, you know, Satan's dirty hands couldn't take it. God wasn't going to give it to him. Amen. Even though, even though right now because of man's su- subjecting himself to Satan, that Satan becomes the prince of the power of the air, that's not his position. It doesn't belong to him. Now, so the abstract title deed to eternal life goes back in the hand of the one who gave it, which was Almighty God, and it was waiting for redemption claims. That brings it right down to our day. Do you believe that? Amen. See, what is it doing? It's in the hands of God waiting for redemption claims. He made a way of redemption. He, he's made a way back. And someday the Redeemer is to take it back. Now think of it. God became a man. As he said, I'll become the seed that will go with you. Amen. You remember that? Because this is where he said, I'm going to put enmity between thee and thy seed and the serpent and his seed. So we know the serpent had a seed. The Bible said so. Amen. But I'm going to put enmity between the two. And this seed is going to, the seed that's going to come through a woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And in doing so, you're this, because in doing so, your heel or the seed's heel will be bruised. In other words, where he touches the earth in his humanity will be bruised. For the sake of redemption. Amen. So again, in his, in his treading on the serpent over sin, he would be bruised. He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquity. Amen. The weapons we should have got would come on him. So that by his stripes we could be healed. Now think of it. God becomes a man. And, and so, and, and he continues, you know, at Calvary, he begins his work of redemption by paying the price for man's sin. I want to just tell you, the price is paid in full. Every one of you that have the Holy Ghost have a deposit of that, what he did there. All right, now, so again... But where Christ is now claiming the book of title in order to give it back to man. Because man lost it. And man, and God wants man to have it. He wants you to have dominion. And so he's giving it back to man, pouring out into you the faith. Can I say it this way? The faith, the consciousness of who you are in Christ. Now, you know what you were as a sinner, but what the devil don't want you to know is who you are in Christ. And it's hard sometimes to fathom that you have that, but God sent a prophet to wake up the consciousness 
And here I am as a preacher standing here this morning saying, you got the power, you are an overcomer, and you are able. Hallelujah. Now when man became subject to sin and sorrow, pain and death, he became a puppet to everything the devil wanted him to do. You all know that. You, everyone, was his puppet. So was I. Whatever string he pulled, that's what you did. That's right. Some of you still on that string. You need salvation. Amen. So you see, he became a puppet. And only then, when he became a puppet, could, was the spirit of cancer able to take a hold of him, bring him to his grave. Only then could a demon fill his heart with plaque until it quit beating. Why? Because unbelief gave Satan the power to prevail over man. Let's talk about unbelief for a minute. We, we, we're talking about faith. We got to look at the, the, the counterpart or shall we say the opposite side of the spectrum. What the enemy has, unbelief. What comes to counter faith. So unbelief or doubt can do a lot of things. It can create an atmosphere in a meeting. When everyone is staring with unbelief. And when everybody is looking and all them demons with their, their power focused right on them and their unbelief. Unbelief is demon power. Amen. So now if we think about that for a moment, you remember down at youth camp when we were dealing with some of them demon spirits. Some of them we just had to pull out into another room. Amen. Why? Because the enemy was congregating. Telling some of the young people, well, I'll believe when they cast that devil out. Oh, I'll be a Christian if they can do it. I'll tell you what, if they don't do it, well, I know this message ain't true. All these doubts. Oh, them, they, you see, they, they think they're a big bunch of big shots. They, they got power to do that. Look, look at there. They can't do it. Oh, poor soul. He'll have to live with this demon all his life. All of these thoughts. Now, and the people are wondering, do they have enough power? Are they able to conquer it? Listen. Listen, unbelief is the only thing that can keep you from the kingdom of God. And the only thing that is sin is unbelief. I'm quoting from Brother Branham. Said He said, Brother Branham, I, I quit drinking and I quit the, doing these things and my evil ways. Well, well, you did that for one purpose. See, the only thing that caused you to do that is because you become a believer. Then again, he would say, let me show you just on a word. The first time that the devil met Jesus Christ, he doubted him. Doubt always is of the devil. And that's where the first sin comes. There is no other sin but doubt. Unbelief is the original and only sin. Committing adultery is not a sin. Smoking is not a sin. Getting drunk is not a sin. That is the attributes of unbelief. Hallelujah. Amen. Now. Again, we, we know those are attributes. Because you're an unbeliever, you do those things. Now, in um, the voice of God in the last days, let me share another. Sin is a righteousness perverted. A lie is a truth misrepresented. Adultery is an act that God ordained us to perverted. 
All unbelief is a perversion of unbelief. You have to deny the truth in order to take the perversion. See, straighten out these voices, test them by the word, see if it's the truth. But look, but in the phase we got today, the best doctors we ever had. And I I want to say, I thank God for the advancement of science. Amen. I came to church today because of the advancement of science. I rode in a car. I thank God for what they do in hospitals and doctors and whatever else, the good that is done. But it's off a tree of knowledge of good and evil. But now we said we got the best hospitals we ever had. We got the best drugs we ever practiced with, haven't we? We got more sickness than we ever had, haven't we? Because we got more unbelief than we ever had, haven't we? And that's right. Exactly. Only God's the healer. And we know that. So faith is the channel, though, wherein God works. Unbelief is the channel wherein Satan works. So unbelief is the worst sin there is, and it's the only sin there is, and all the other sins are just an attributes of that unbelief. Now, here's what the Bible said, 1 John 3 and 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. He was the first doubter of God's word. He did it in heaven. Sin began in heaven, not on earth. When Lucifer exalted his own thoughts and wisdom above the word of God and made angels doubt it. Somebody with me? Amen. So he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Here's the reason the Son of God was revealed. Here's why the seed promised to the woman was given and revealed. Are you with me? That he might, somebody help me preach it, destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is what he came to do. Destroy the works of the devil in your life and my life. And redemption cannot be fully had until all the works of the devil have been totally destroyed. And you're not redeemed until that demon that you were born with is dead in your life. That old man of sin. That sin nature. Amen. That's why, as I said, it's not hard to be born again. It's hard for people to die to sin nature. To that first nature they were born with. Now, so they see, the heart has to be cleansed before God can come down in the person of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ coming down and dwelling in the human heart. It must be, for us to be repented. It must be baptized in water in his name to show who it belongs to. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Because we're identifying with him who we belong to. Taking on his name. Amen. Then it must be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And then the holy fire and holy ghost from God comes down and burns out the desire of sin. Amen. I know because it happened to me. Amen. But where you come down, you, you hate what God hates. And then you love what God loves. Amen. So notice, and therefore he that sins willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, the Bible said, if he knows the truth and he sins willfully, he needs a sacrifice. Because he don't have a sacrifice. If you have the true sacrifice, there's no sin can be attributed to you. 
So there's no way for him to sin. He that's born of God cannot sin. He does not sin. There's no way for him to sin. How can be a sinner and a redeemed at the same time? How can I be in a pawn shop and out of the pawn shop at the same time? Oh, he redeemed us by his blood. By his spirit, he cleansed us. And then he comes to dwell in us, the church. Not the denomination out, the church. Not the building we're sitting in, the church. The body of Jesus Christ. Now, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, here's what I want you to get. We've been preaching about it. You have the same God dwelling in you that created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. And with God, now listen, let me go back. With sin, unbelief comes its attributes. With God, comes his attributes. With God comes authority. With God comes power. With God comes dominion. With God comes faith. Hallelujah. Every attribute that God was in God comes inside of you when his spirit comes to dwell in you. And it's impossible to have God and not have his attributes. It is impossible to have God, to have Christ in you, and not have his attributes. Amen. Now, like Brother Branham was often tell us, he said, you know, if the spirit of Beethoven came in me, I'd write music. If the spirit of Dillinger came in me, I'd kill people. But if the spirit of Christ comes in me, I'm going to do what Christ did. Amen. So it's impossible to have God and not have his attributes. And so therefore, I'm trying to tell you, healing power is already in you. Overcoming power already is in you. The power of transformation is on the inside of every believer this morning. But none of it works without faith. None of it. Now, Brother Branham would say in the message, faith, if you're sick and not a Christian, become a Christian right now so that healing power will come in you by becoming a Christian. And that will give you faith to ride above sin. It'll give you faith. And everything you need of in this journey is right in you now. And the only thing you have to do is have faith in God that pushes that good things out of you, which is, by, which is in you by the Holy Spirit. So you see, again, your own resurrection is in you right now. Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So by the Holy Ghost in you, resurrection power lays in you. Amen. Brother Branham would say in this message, faith, he said, now each one of you have the power the same way because you're sons and daughters of God. And the very spirit that's in you this morning, the Holy Spirit that's in you this morning, that same Holy Spirit will raise you up so you have the power to raise yourself back up. Amen. He would tell us the rapture is in us now. 
Hallelujah. By having the Holy Ghost, the rapture is in me. That's why I say, friends, I'm not afraid of missing the rapture. I am the rapture. I'm not afraid if you bury me in a graveyard. I'm not afraid that I'm going to lay there forever and ever and ever. Because resurrection power lays within me. Quickening power has already quickened these old bones. And a deposit has been made that made a claim on my body. Those he justified, he justified. And those he justified, he thought, hath glorified. That's the scripture for that. Then in heaven today, we're glorified in the presence of God. Right now, I'm just pushing out to it. Amen. Glory. God's in his word. You believe it. Ever present water from the rock. He said the power that raises us up is in us right now. And now we are now in heavenly places. We are now in the power of the resurrection. If there wasn't a law to that. Oh, now listen. If there wasn't a law to that, sons and daughters of God would create them a world out here and go and live a private life on it. You have the power in you to do it if you got a shadow of the power of God. Because there's not, no weak spots in God or big heavy spots in God that are omnipotent. But, but the least touch of God is omnipotent. So you have the power in you to do it if you got a shadow of the power of God in you. You got the power of God. God is omnipotent. See what I mean? The power that's in you will make you could speak a world into existence and go live on it. Hallelujah. There you are. That's what's power that's in the church now. But it's controlled by law. And that law is not keeping a bunch of commandments. It is the law of faith. Jesus said all things are possible to them that believe. If you can believe it, whatever God will lead your soul to believe, that's yours. Ever place the soles of your foot can set upon by faith, God gives it to you. Amen. It's yours. You possess it. If you can find this key to this law of faith that opens it to you. You see what I mean? That power is controlled. If you're son of God, uh, you, are a daughter, you are a daughter of God, that never leaves you. It's with you all the time. But your faith gets away from it. But it's still there. Amen. The deepest valley you go through cannot make you lose your sonship. The hardest trial given to humanity cannot make you be lost. Hallelujah. Are you with me? There is nothing. Can you hear me? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Hallelujah. Amen. But your faith gets away from it. Now he said, sin doesn't mean to go out and drink and carry on. Go ye out, go ye and disbelieve no more. There you are. You know, I find the greatest trouble with the Pentecostal church today is positionally. They don't know who they are. Your sons and daughters of God, a lot of times you're looking for something great to come, but you already got it. Amen. The greatest thing that can be given to you. What is that? God's own Holy Spirit. And now we are the sons of God, not we will be. We are now, and now we are seated and together in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. When faith like that gets in the church, the devil moves away from the church. We must be seeing some faith like that moving. 
Amen. Some people recognize and understand in their position. Listen, he goes on to say, Satan hasn't got any illegal rights over a Christian. You might as well tell the devil this morning, he don't have any illegal rights over my life. Come on, he has no legal rights over my health, over my body, over my joy, over my peace. He has no legal rights to take anything away. Amen, Jesus is the one gave it to me and there ain't a devil big enough that can take it away. Unless I give it over to him. Now, every time a man gets saved, how many saved this morning? Raise your hands high. You're saved. All right, when, when a man gets saved, then God writes out a whole big bunch of checks. Amen. A whole, a whole big bunch of checks like that. Here's your checkbook. Amen. And he puts his name at the bottom and says, here they are. Fill it out. Amen. And Brother Branham says, are you scared of it? Fill it out. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive and it shall be given to you. Mark 11, 24. You just believe it. Now that's what Adam did before the fall. He just took the check book of dominion and he filled it out. Amen. That's what Jesus said when he says, I give you the power over unclean spirits. Amen. That's, that's every disease, every affliction, every devil. You take any promise like a check. A check isn't the money. If a man hands you a paycheck, he didn't hand you the money. It's the promise of the money. Amen. But if you will endorse it, amen, the bank of heaven will honor it. And the bank of heaven ain't bankrupt. He's able to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. And he ain't never run out. He ain't run out of miracles. He ain't run out of healing. He ain't run out of salvation. Glory to God. He hasn't run out of any divine promise. There's enough for me. There's enough for you. There's enough for this generation, another generation to come, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You said, but how do I endorse it? How in the world do I endorse it, Brother Tim? You sign your name to it by confessing it. When you sign your name on the back of the check, you are, you are saying, this is me and this is for me. This is mine. Come on now. It's all yours. Everything wrote on the check is yours. But it's not yours until you sign your name to it by confessing it. It's only your promise. 
I've got checks though, Brother Tim. I got my, 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 my. Look at all of these checks here. There's check for my healing. There's check for my deliverance. There's a check for my children. There's a check wrote out for my wife and one for my husband. And there's enough for every need I got. There's a check wrote out for it. He'll bless me in the city and he'll bless me in the field and he'll bless the fruit of my womb and he'll bless. Amen, I got the checks. But I'm just waiting on Jesus to come and sign my check. No, you're not. Jesus already signed it with his blood. And it's not erasable ink. He can never take back his promise. And all the devils in hell cannot change what's written on the check. Hallelujah. It's written indelibly with his blood. And there ain't enough demon powers can change it. Ages can't change it. Time can't change it. Preachers can't change it. Demons can't change it. It cannot be changed. If it was good yesterday, it's good today. If it's good today, it'll be good tomorrow. It don't change. Changes. But the problem is, the problem is we're waiting on a special revelation that you call faith. If I could just get, you know, faith is a revelation of the will of God. Well, you're not waiting on that. You've already got it. If he would just give me the faith, I, I need a revelation of my healing. So what do you need? An angel will come down from heaven, smite you on the head, hit you with a sword and say, okay, now, you know, I'll give you this sign or, or wait till you feel this goosebumps or some other vindication. Every one of you that are saved, you raised your hands a while ago and said you were saved. So how many, and of course, we ask how many, I'll not ask you again, but when you received that special, when you received that revelation of salvation, that was a special revelation. You have a personal revelation that you are saved. Amen. And it was just like Peter, when he got a revelation, died to Christ, the son of the living God. He said, now wait a minute, flesh and blood didn't give this to you. But my father, which is in heaven, he gave it to you. And so therefore you have a special revelation, amen, that you are God's child. You are his son or you are his daughter. How many would agree with that this morning? I am his son or I'm his daughter. Amen. So I am saved. Hallelujah. I am delivered. I am healed. Did you hear the song? I am blameless. Amen. I'm shameless. There's no shame on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am delivered. Amen. So I've already received my special revelation. 
Amen. My special revelation is I am redeemed. Jesus died for me. He gave me his Holy Spirit. I am his. I am the blood-washed, blood-bought son or daughter of the living God. That's who I am. Amen. Hallelujah. But what is included in redemption? Now let's talk about this for a moment because we say we're redeemed, but what is it we mean? What is it we have? What are the benefits? You know, he would say in, in Psalms, the middle chapter of the Bible, and he would say, um, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, there are benefits of redemption. If you'll go with me and, and to Matthew's 8 and verse 16, when evening was come, they brought to him many that was possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits. Did anybody hear that? I ain't said it yet, but did you read it? He cast out the spirits with his word. How did Adam control? His word. Is that right? He spoke and it happened. One with the sweat of his brow. And Jesus, the second Adam, he casts out spirits with his word. Guess what? That means, men, you ain't going to have to extract them like a tooth. Amen. We're going to use the word. Because God's word is going to become our words. And when we speak his words, it has power. Because the word will defeat the devil any place, anywhere, anytime. That's why you got to get in love with your Bible. Because it's God's love letter to you and it's your checkbook. And you ain't wrote out enough checks yet. Amen. And he cast out spirits with his word and he healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Right. Now, this comes from, the, from Isaiah 53, verse 4, and we're going to look at that for a moment. Because, you know, Brother Joe was telling me of a friend, he's a, a, a pastor friend. And, and, and a great man, nice, very nice man. He believes that God can heal, but not that he will heal. Because he does not believe that healing was paid for at Calvary. Now, those are underprivileged children. Amen. They're not living, they're living below their privilege. But let's just read it. Of course, the Bible said, I want you to go back to Matthew 8, uh, 16 for a moment. Those that were possessed with devil, he cast out the spirits. He healed all that was sick, that it might be fulfilled. In other words, this would be the fulfillment of what Jesus came to do. This seed that would come to bruise the head of the serpent. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Uh, you know, they, they, and again, the denominational world says, See, it's for sin that he healed us some, not from sickness. 
But Jesus said that he bear our sickness. That he might fulfill, amen, and it wouldn't be fully fulfilled until Calvary on the cross that he would carry our sickness and bear our infirmities. Are you with me? Now let's go to Isaiah 53 and verse 4. I love to give the devil a black eye. Amen. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Amen. That is from the word koli in the Greek. I mean in the Hebrews. And that word means sickness. So surely he hath borne our sickness. What? And carried our sorrows. And that is from the Hebrew word makobi, which means pain, both mental pain and physical pain. Yet we did esteem him smitten, uh, stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Hallelujah. And he was bruised that when we did things that we knew better than to do and we did them anyhow. What did he do? He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement, which means the weapons we should have got. He took them for us and they were taken upon him so we could have peace. That's shouting grounds right there. Amen. And with his stripes we are healed. Now, the denominational world means that means, they think that means saved. In other words, our, our, our soul was saved, but that's not what it means. It comes from the word rafa, which means to heal, to make helpful. Amen. So by his stripes, we were rafa, which is we are healed. This is why he called himself Jehovah Rapha. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah the healer. Hallelujah. So if he bore them, then why do you have to bear them? Hallelujah. Amen. You, you say, well, he's got a right to attack that body because of mortality. But you have got a right to cast him out because the divine commission has given you the commission. Cast him out. Yeah, he can make us sick because of our mortality. Because man sinned at the beginning. But because Jesus redeemed me from the curse of the law and bore my sin and bore my sickness, I for by whose stripes we are healed. Rapha. Romans 8 and 2. Are you getting tired? Well, good, because this is your Thanksgiving dinner and there's a lot to it. And where's my water to get it down with? All right, Romans 8 and 2. Are you with me? You ready for this? Amen. For the law of the spirit of life. Let me stop for a minute while I'm getting this water. Last week, I wiped my mouth and I got a, a thread on my chin. It brought a lot of entertainment to you. 
And that's all you could think about. Watch this. Pretty entertaining, wasn't it? You all watched. All right. Now let's go back to preaching again. Don't have a thread to entertain you. But look at this. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Somebody help me. Let's read this together. Everybody, class participation. Wake up your neighbor and tell them we're reading something. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, wake up your neighbor and tell them we're reading something. And let's try it again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. Are you free? Hallelujah. Then if I'm free, I don't have to sin. Amen. I am not Satan's slave. I am free. In Egypt, I was a slave, and he told me what to do. But in this land of the Holy Ghost, he's my slave. Oh, did you get that? Because I tell him what to do. Hallelujah. In Egypt, he told me what to do. And now, if an Egyptian comes in this land, I tell him what to do. I tell him, go back where you came from. You don't belong here. This is not your inheritance, and I don't belong to you, and I'll not take further instruction from you. Amen. God wanted to be sure that you have the victory. So he gave us his own spirit and every attribute of his spirit to dwell in us. You have his spirit in what is yet an earthen vessel. If you look with me in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. Because you see, this is what Satan can't figure out. Because he knows we got this body of ours by him perverting the word. Right? Amen. So because of that, he's kind of, he, he thinks he has, a, he has a sense of ownership. But I want to just show you this morning what the Bible said. We have this treasure, this Holy Spirit in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. So God wanted to show it wasn't Adam. It was him. Amen. So he lets Adam fall. And then he redeems us, the sons of Adam, to show to the devil it never was Adam. It was me. It was me. It was my word that was ruling. It was my truth that was prevailing. It was my faith I gave to him. Adam did it all by me. By my faith. Watch now. So he made this 
this uh, treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. So this treasure makes the excellency of the power to be of God. It is not the vessel of earth or this flesh. It's the treasure that is in us. Amen. So I am weak because of the earthen vessel. And yet I'm strong because of the treasure. I am limited, bound in a body of time, and yet I have no limitations because I'm eternal. I am defeated as a human being, and yet I overcome as a son of God, and I know no defeat. I have aches and pains, uh, you know, because we don't lose our humanity. We go through discouragement. We go times through times of being perplexed. We have a, a sticky carnal nature. You know that. Amen. I won't talk about you. I'll just talk about me. Amen. You know, the earthen vessel, it don't look like much. It's short. It's not handsome. It's getting older every day, and it stoops. The black hair is thinning and getting gray. It's an earthen vessel. But in this earthen vessel, I have a treasure. Amen. And it's not another man or another human. It's God. I have been recreated. Did, I, did, I, did you get that? I have been recreated. And this time, the spirit that I should have had at the beginning originally, I now have in me. And it is the mystery that the devil don't understand. Amen. And that is, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And though this outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed perpetually day by day. Every Holy Ghost filled individual has the law of the spirit of life within them. And that the spirit is God himself. That means deity lives on the inside of you. It's our treasure. Come on, somebody help me preach. Amen. Galatians 2.20, he would say, Christ liveth in me, and I live by the faith of the Son of God. So you see, I'm dead. Yeah, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. I'm putting the devil on notice. Because now when he meets me, he's going to know. Amen. There's a Christ living in me. Amen. And greater is he that is in me than this one out here in the world. Amen. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by, with, with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's who the Holy Spirit is. It's Christ, the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Devil, I may not look like much, but in me is the spirit of Jesus. The same one that cast you out when there were legions of you. The same one that cast you out of the sea and made it become calm. The same one, hallelujah, that saved the Lord. He lives inside of me. I don't look like much on the outside, but I'm God on the inside. Hallelujah, and it's Jesus.
Jesus on the inside and he's working on the outside. Dwelling by faith don't mean you're imagining him there, but your faith declares he's there. And your faith is a greater sense than even your eyesight, your smell, your feel, your touch. And that's usually how I know. I know this water is here because I see it and then I feel it and I taste it. It don't have much smell and I can't hear it till it goggles down. But that's how I know it's there. But how I know this is there is by greater sense. And it's called faith. Faith. I met him. And he gave me a commission. Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Amen. That is our only hope. Of having victory over the devil's sin and unbelief. The glory of this mystery that God wants the Gentiles to know that you that are born again have Christ living in you. Now, again, I'm going to go through this very quickly in Colossians 3 and 4. When Christ, who is our life, Christ is our life. 1 Corinthians 1 26. I got to take a little time on this one. Sorry, I was going to gloss over it. First Corinthians one twenty six. For you see your calling, brother, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, noble are called. Right. Amen. Let me give you another translation. Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards. Not many were you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered to be the elite when you answered God's call. Amen. But verse 27 said, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. So God chose you a weak, helpless, sinner to confound the devil who made you that way that he absolutely gets amazed and shakes in his boots ooh hallelujah let me give you that translation again God chose those who the world consume foolish to shame those who think they're wise and God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and mighty. Amen. Verse 28. And base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, than things which are not to bring to naught things that are. In other words, he chose the lowly, the laughable, the despised, the outcast. All of this is in the world's eyes. The nobodies. So that he can take you and make you something that would shame the somebodies. He chose what is regarded as insignificant to supersede what is regarded as prominent. Why? That no flesh could glory in his presence. So that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. 
who is who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And so what we have comes from Christ who is in us, and he is our God-given wisdom. Amen. Our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. Amen. And if this fulfills what is written, if anyone boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has done. Amen. Here's where it's written, Jeremiah 9:24. But let him that glory glorieth glory in this, and he that understandeth and knoweth me, that he that understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. That's the Old Testament. But in the New Testament. We don't just boast in that we understand and know God, but we boast in that God is in us. Hallelujah. And so because he dwells in us, we can exercise true loving kindness, true judgment, and true righteousness, and by doing so, delight the Lord. Oh, you don't know what you have in these earthen vessels. Amen. It's a power that will quicken your mortal body. The spirit of life is a quickening spirit. Amen. The word is quickened on the inside of you. And that word is a predestinated seed that God placed in you before the foundation of the world. Are you with me? You are not predestinated to be a sinner. Did anybody hear me? Don't hang up yet. He, you are not predestinated to be a sinner. You were allowed to be, but you were not predestinated to be. The woman of the well was not predestinated to be a prostitute. Amen. And neither were you predestinated to be a lukewarm make-believer. Amen. You were not predestinated to be sick or crippled. Amen. God foreknew it. He knew what would happen to you, but he didn't predestinate you to be that way. That is not your destiny that God made. Come on, somebody help me. Amen. Where were you predestinated to be? You were predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you believe that? Amen. That's what you were predestinated to be, conformed to the image of his son. The spirit of life works in you you according to the law of faith. And faith is a law. All things are possible to them that believe. Amen. It's a law. Faith is a law that that God himself uses. Amen. By faith, God created the world. The Bible said in Hebrews 11.3, by faith that we understand that the world was, the worlds was framed by the word of God. He created the molecules, the atoms, all by faith. He created the world, or this, this sun, by faith. Faith is the law by which he controls everything. God could not have created anything without faith. Amen. Powers and attributes and authority was already there. But there's nothing that says that God was created or God would have to add anything to him. Amen. He says, I'm the Lord and I change not. He said in me there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. He cannot change. 
Amen. He cannot take away from himself. It was already in him to be a healer, a savior, a redeemer, a creator, a father. But all of it would have been useless without faith. I'm telling you, God does everything himself by faith. Amen. Faith had to be there for, before anything could be created. He, being a creator, had to work according to his own law of faith in order for there to be a creation. There could be no lamb slain before the foundational world unless he had faith. Amen. There would not be a people whose name was in the book of life unless he had faith. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Amen. And Jesus knew it was not his earthen vessel that was doing the work. Yet he was the virgin born and without sin. But he said, he said in John 14, 10, Believe us not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, and, but the Father dwelleth in me. He doeth the work. Right. Amen. So Jesus knew it was not his earthen vessel. You're looking at your earthen vessel and you're saying, I can't do this. And Jesus could look at his own earth and vessel and he said, I cannot my own self. I cannot do this. But my father, the treasure that I have within me, he doing the work. Hallelujah. That's why the devil would look at Jesus there at that gatherer when all them devils would come there and look at him and look down at his eyes and say, how did you get in there? I see more than a mortal man. I see more than a Galilean. I see more than a, what somebody that's weak and, and, and despised and the world don't love. I see something behind those eyes. I see Almighty God hidden in human flesh. Hallelujah. Amen. And Jesus then would take and take dominion over legions. Not one, legions, millions of devils at one time. Somebody help me preach. Why? The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him. Hello, somebody. Amen. But if you just got a little bit of God in you by the Holy Ghost, there's enough power in there to make a world. Amen. The disciples were given power to heal the sick, cast out devils. They met, a, they met a devil they couldn't cast out because Christ was only walking with them then. He wasn't living in them. And only when he came walking up did the devil have to leave. Are you with me? But Jesus had faith in what he said would happen. Jesus not only had power because he was the word, he had faith with his power. Jesus relied on knowing he was the word. Amen. In other words, he understood his origin. He understood his birth. What I'm trying to get you to do is understand your birth. Amen. You can only have faith when you understand your origin. Amen. When you understand your birth. That you are the word, that you are his offspring, that you are the scripture made manifest or made flesh. Are you with me now? We're born again, Peter said, not of corruptible seed, but of the word of God. We have been born of the word, so we are born of the Logos. Hallelujah. The Logos gave birth to another Logos. The word gave birth to another word. 
Amen. And every son of daughter of God is the thought of God expressed, which is the word of God. Are you with me? You are the word. This is why I would say in Revelation 19, you are the true sayings of God. Amen. That we are the one called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Logos, the true sayings. Amen. You're a word bride. I'm coming down to the end, so hang on tight. We're going to come in for a fast landing now. Listen. Amen. But you don't understand your position. This is the problem today. It's not a position you earned. Amen. It's not a position that you, you work for. It is position given to you by redemption. Amen. And, and it was his own blood that was paid. And I ask you, was it enough? Is it enough? Is the lamb worthy? Is his blood worthy? Is it sufficient? Amen. Now then, therefore, then because of you were born of him, amen, by a new birth, the old birth births you into sin, this birth births you into righteousness. And by a new birth, you can speak. Amen. That means you can prophesy. My sons and daughters shall prophesy as Adam did. Amen. Take the book and eat it and prophesy again. Oh, son of man, can these bones live? Prophesy, son of man. Hallelujah. Do it by the word. Speak the word. Talk the word. Sign your name to it. Amen. Confess it as your own. Hallelujah. Jesus He relied in knowing he was the word. I'm trying to get you to rely on your new birth now. Amen. You have faith in God who made you the word. Come on, church. If you're born of God, dogs give birth to dogs. Cats give birth to cats. Come on, somebody. But when God gives birth, he gives birth to gods. Amen. Now you are the sons of God. You're the offspring of Almighty God by the new birth. Amen. Therefore, you are given a position. But do you understand your position? Jesus took his position because of what the word said. Not because he felt goosebumps. Not because somebody ran the aisle. Not because somebody else professed to believe it. Jesus looked in the word and he said, it's written to me. Thou shalt not leave his soul in hell. He didn't say Jesus. But Jesus put his own name there. Thou shalt not leave his soul in hell. Neither shall thy holy one see corruption. You say Jesus used that word all up. No, he didn't. There's a holy one in this day called the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And he will not leave us in this hell of Laodicea and this evil age. And neither will he allow this bride to be corrupted by Satan, by sin, by unbelief. He'll defeat every devil in hell. He'll bankrupt all of heaven to see that this bride makes it. I'm talking about a mighty God today. Amen. Jesus knew whether he was on Mount Transfiguration or whether he was in the wilderness of temptation or if he was on a boat about to be sunk or if he was standing before a million demons and a man. Jesus knew who he was. 
He knew it because of what God said. He said that day he filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said, this day I have begotten you. Amen. The, the Spirit of God came over him. Is that right? Amen. said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. You say, Brother Tim, I wish I had that experience. Every Holy Ghost-filled person has that experience. Amen. Heaven opens the Spirit that sends upon a son or daughter of God that is repentant. Hallelujah. Same thing happens. You may not have seen the light. You may not have heard the voice, but you know something happened. There was a dove came down on the inside of you, and you are different. Your life has changed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not the same old man you were. Hallelujah. And now, now, Jesus is now living. Not in Adam's body. Not in the second Adam's body. But Jesus has come down and took over the perverted body you got from your first birth. That Satan got a hold of your soil and corrupted it and sinned in it and defiled it. Go back and look at Eden. There he was from the hand of God created. And now Satan comes to live. And now that body, is anybody with me now? That body that used to praise God, that used to fellowship, that used to speak and control atmospheres, now becomes possessed by sin, by Satan, by the serpent. And now he's defeated. And now these hands that used to praise God are hung down. These feet that used to walk in his path, walk in wrong paths. His body becomes members of the spirit that dwells in him. Amen. But God pulled a fast one on the devil. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take bodies that used to serve sin. Mouths that used to speak lies. Amen. A mind that used to entertain every evil thought and speak them. Hands that used to be quick to shed blood. I'm going to take that body and I'm going to wash it and I'm going to purge it and I'm going to come and dwell in it. And when I get in that body, I'm going to go around overthrowing Satan's kingdom, chasing him out, casting him out everywhere that I go. Hallelujah. And it's not going to be like Adam. Adam did it without a bad thought in his mind, without a past. But it's going to be different from that. It'll be those with a past. And the devil's attacking. And he's coming, he's throwing this. And he's throwing that thought. And he's trying to, he's trying to make you feel unclean. And he's trying to burn you down. And he's showing you symptoms. And he's showing you this problem. And he's showing you that problem. And in spite of that, you won't give in. You keep speaking the word. You keep speaking the word. You keep speaking the word. And the devil gets defeated and defeated and defeated in sons of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And he takes this body that 
was a sin that makes it glorify God and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And this is the victory that overcometh out the world, even our faith. Stand together and worship God with me this morning. Just think them hands that used to clap for the world. They used to clap for the devil's music. They used to worship the devil. Is now praising the almighty God. And Satan is standing around and saying, how can they do that? I did this to them and I made them sick. And I brought cancer on them. And I called, brought alopecia on them. I brought this disease and I caused this problem. I caused problem in their marriage, in their I probably caused problem in their childhood and I can't make them stop. I can't do nothing about it. Amen. I can't stop them. I can't shut them down. I can't make them quit. They're an invincible army. And yet I throw thoughts at them. I throw ambitions at them. I throw desires at them and they won't give in. Amen. They keep putting the word in preeminence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that's what makes God smile. That delights his heart. Hallelujah. You see, Satan, redemption undoes everything. Everything. Because when they're sick, I heal them. When they're lost, I save them. When they're dying, I just take them into another dimension with a healed body. They can't be defeated faith is the victory that overcometh the world aren't you glad for that victory hallelujah can't we rely then on what God has done for us now brother Brandon said don't throw it don't 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 shoot a 22 rifle at him he said, you, you get an atomic bomb and get the job done. That's faith in his word. Blast him away. You can blast him away time after time after time. And I don't care what he's throwing at you today. I'm telling you, you're the winner. I'm telling you, you can't lose. Because God can't lose. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No things to come or things in my past. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith is a conqueror, is an overcomer. It's the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. To conquer means to beat down, to override, to handcuff, to throw into prisons. It means a sin that once ruled you, you rule it now. Hallelujah. You've whipped it. It's overcome. 
And if it buffets again and again and again, you'll stand right there in the face of it. I believe. That's who I am. I will never doubt. I'll stand on the promise. I'll not give place to the devil. That's what the Bible said. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. Well, he's come down. He's cut you with a complex. Don't give place to him. Take the sword of the word and run him off. Egyptians don't belong in this land. There in the, in the sin, I was his slave. But in this land, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Let's sing a verse of that that they're playing of what God did of his grace. Down from his glory. What is it now? Heavenly restore. My God and Savior. Jesus, Jehovah Savior. Amen. You will